The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. MSW Media. Hi, I'm Frances Callier. And I'm Angela V. Shelton. And we're Frangela. You know what you need in your life? Hmm. The Final Word Podcast. Yes, you do. That's right. It is the final word on all things political and pop cultural. Where we make real news real funny. Where we inspire you so you can hashtag resist. Subscribe and get a new episode of The Final Word Podcast each week. It's the news we think you need to hear. That's right. We think you need to hear it. Okay. Yeah, it's what we say so. That's right. And because all we do is give, every Thursday you can listen to our hysterical podcast, Idiot of the Week. We round up the stupid because you know what? Somebody has to. Okay. All we do is give. Talk. I'm Fraz. I'm Redacted, and we have a man here. Can you believe? Everyone just be aware, there is a man quite literally in the studio with us today. <laughs> so off-brand. Introduce yourself. <laughs> Am I the first man you've had? Yes. Yeah. Oh, hell yeah. Feel honored. I'm Fletcher Nelson, by the way. He's Fletcher Nelson, y'all. Wait, tell them your handle, too. Yes. Third grade swag. The man, the myth, the legend behind third grade swag. Have you changed grade levels? What's the long-term vision for this? Because I love the username. I don't even teach third grade right now. I currently teach fourth grade. Fletcher. I know, it's just leading people on. I looped with my class. So I was third grade. I have been third grade. This year I looped. And instead of changing my name for a year, I'm just gonna let people be confused. So fourth grade teacher named third grade swag. Redacted, you keep having people on the podcast that have not quit, but we quit, so it's okay. Yeah, exactly. As long as the number of people that quit is higher, then it's fine, I think. I also selfishly brought you on here. This is actually a real estate podcast now. Because I've been fascinated about your home journey. You have a very nice house that you have done tons of work to that I've been stalking on Instagram. Me and my mother actually put pictures of your house on our TV to look at your before and after photos. Oh, I feel honored. I want to hear about like how you have been in teaching and loving teaching and achieved home ownership while being a teacher. If you want to share about money, you don't have to. So my house, when I bought it, it clearly was not super nice. It needed work. Still needs work. I don't know how parents just learn everything. Like I call one of them and they know the answer. I am very lucky that like my dad, between calling him, him helping me, or me just looking up YouTube videos, I've learned a lot and have done a lot. So I don't have money to hire people to do stuff. So I'm just like, hey, I feel like I could figure that out. Teacher backslash general contractor. Exactly. I'm adding it to my resume. So my house, it was not expensive, but still was hard to afford. And being completely transparent, if I wouldn't have had social media money or teachers pay teachers money, I would not have been able to get a house yet. And I'm 30 years old which I feel like is sad because people were like, how did you afford a house already? It's like, I'm 30 freaking years old. I should be able to afford a house. But Mm -hmm. without that extra money, I would be renting some crappy apartment and wasting money and almost paying what a mortgage would be. 
it just it wouldn't have had the money for a down payment and all that. Word. What state are you in, if you don't mind sharing? I'm in Minnesota. Minnesota. Is that the lake one? Yeah, we have 10,000 lakes and counting. Yes. Yeah. If you come, come in the summer. Do not come in the winter. Isn't winter there like kind of September to May? You know, we've had a really nice fall so far, but we are currently in a winter weather advisory hmm. until Friday. Well, I'm in a hurricane, so let's start. Right. Let's start at the beginning. Back to it. So how did you get into teaching? So I, in high school, had no idea what I wanted to be. My oldest sister was going for pharmacy, so I was like, hey, that sounds cool. They make pretty good money. And then I was just kind of like, oh, I'll probably just do business or something. Anesthesiology was on the table until I realized I couldn't spell it. So I was like, probably won't make it through med school. And my senior year of high school, I tried taking like three study halls and my guidance counselor's like, you just can't. And she's like, how about go over to the elementary school and help one of the teachers for an hour a day? And I did that. I was in one of my friends, his mom was a fourth grade teacher. So for an hour, I went over there and I can't really remember what I did now. I think it was usually like reading with kids or whatever, but they were just so excited every single day when I walked in there. And if I was gone, they're like, hey, where were you yesterday? I'm like, damn, why do you guys care about me so much? <laughs> You're like, damn, y'all are obsessed. Embarrassing. You guys realize like I'm really not cool at all, but hey, you guys can think it, whatever. It ended up being my favorite time of the day just because, I don't know, just going over there like and having smiling, happy faces is hard to be in a bad mood. So that was when I was like, hey, maybe I should look at being a teacher. And I did. And that's what I've been doing. So you went into college and majored in education? I did. Never changed. So was elementary ed the whole time. Oh, so elementary ed. I didn't go to, I was about to say I didn't go to college. I didn't go to college for education. So I know different states do it very differently and different schools even do it differently of like ed, elementary ed, upper education, all of that. Did you student teach? I did. I student taught in a fifth grade classroom. How was that? Do you like fifth grade? Have you taught fifth grade like IRL outside of the student teaching verse? I have. So I really wanted fifth grade. I knew I would want to be upper because I... I'm very sarcastic and I needed to be able to like the kids, they need to be able to understand it. My first three years I taught fifth grade. And then when I moved to my current district that first year, class sizes weren't big enough. So I moved down to third grade at that point. The OGs know that I was fifth grade swag and then it turned to third grade swag. Damn, yeah, you can't do a third rebrand. Have you ever heard of Mrs. Wordsmith? It's like a vocab company. They had like a vocab flip book and first word of the day was swagger. And now they know that word. Yeah. Do they know your username? Uh, no. Good. Some of them have followed me mainly on like YouTube and that's where I post the least but they know that if they watch any of my videos if they have like free time if i see them or hear my voice their chromebook's gone for a week yeah so, it's gone yeah. threw it into one of the ten thousand lakes yep and you're never gonna know which one good luck tracking that down yep. i taught you numbers and i skipped a bunch yep so you're not finding oh my goodness i did a similar thing in circle time in the morning is usually when they would tell me like miss we saw you on youtube and i would be like uh uh, uh. No, you didn't. Change subject. They would also tell me shit like, we played Grand Theft Auto last night. And I was like, no, you didn't. Don't tell me that. Next. Don't want to hear it. La, la, yep. la, la, la. High school is such a different world. How old were you? 21. They gave me seven class of 16 and 17 year olds at age of 21. That is wild to think about. People from the district would come in and I'd be like, I'm the teacher. Who literally looks like a Disney Channel original movie. High schoolers still look older than me. So that's what I mean. I yeah. Know. It's their aura though. You you can still kind of tell because even when there were other really young teachers because the district I taught in in Florida in general has a really really high teacher turnover rate so just naturally there's a lot of very young and experienced teachers in Florida I don't know you can just kind of tell plus the kids at the school I taught had uniforms so that kind of made mm, it like well yeah. one of one of you's in a different outfit than the other ones yeah so, so the you, of elimination that's fair um, you started teaching when you were 
22, and then you said now you're 30. So yep. you've been teaching this whole time. Yep. Have you ever thought about quitting? Honestly, I hadn't until the pandemic. And last school year, 2021, 2022 was the first year I'm like, I don't know if I can do this. Mm -hmm. I felt like when the pandemic hit, it was hard, but parents and everyone was on our side. And then all of a sudden everyone wanted to get back, which you didn't want to teach them. I get it. And that year wasn't that bad because we were hybrid for most of it. And I had nine kids in my room. Fridays, they did everything. Was it asynchronous is when they could do it on their own pace. So that was their Friday. The teachers were in the building. We had all day to prep for the next week. You only had to plan two days plus one virtual day. So we had so much time. Like I wasn't stressed at all. And then kids came in Monday. I managed nine kids, taught them. They went home, did that work the next day came back to the same thing it was nice and then that next year came and everyone's like oh back to normal our kids are low how come your test scores suck how come your kids can't read it's like are you fucking kidding me because they went home in first grade and then they were here every other day for second grade they don't know how to read mm -hmm. because that's when they learn how to read it's you're like grade. wow it's almost like they only had 50 percent of the schooling that they usually do it's almost like the test scores are exactly what we'd all expect and now you want me to teach them how to read but you also want me to teach them the third grade standards which is then being able to read and apply those skills how am i supposed to do that you come in and tell me how fletcher no third grade standards is a trigger word around these fletcher i'm sorry I redacted just listened to me last week go on for literally eight minutes because i edited it eight minutes about how much i hate what third graders have to do i'm gonna do it again redacted i'll probably cut it out but i don't fucking care i'm ready listen i'm ready to hear listen. it if you give me a third grader right now i'd be like here's what the fuck you're gonna learn in school this year so go First of all, the thing I went on and on about last week when we filmed was for the fucking end of the year, they have to read two nonfiction passages, do a like mixed bag test, which is like charting and short answer and multiple choice and blah, blah, blah. Then they have to take those two articles and answer a prompt citing both sources. And these kids can't fucking read at a kindergarten level. And they're like, make them do five paragraph essays. And you're like, okay, but you said no remediation. So you're telling me that I can't go back and teach second grade. I can't teach them letter sounds. I can't teach them how to read. You won't take my kids because they're quote unquote behavior kids. You kicked my kids out of literacy, by the way. And then I recommended some kids for retention only to two kids that their parents, one of them retained in kindergarten and their the school was like, no, we can't do that. I was like, hey, retain them. They're little. They'll be fine. Like they'll blend in. They're in fourth grade right now as we speak. That's, I couldn't. It's crazy. It's just so unfair. Third grade is a very pivotal year. Yeah. People who are outside of elementary school or outside of the education system don't really understand that. But when I heard that I was teaching third grade, I, that's a big deal. I did not take that lightly because there's a statistic, right, that says if you can't read in third grade, the chances that you're going to end up being illiterate are very, very high. Yeah. Is that a lot of pressure for being third grade swag? Like the nation's literacy on your back? I almost think it'd be more pressure coming K-1-2 because like they need foundational skills of reading and yeah it kind of sometimes like the first year you standardize test is third grade so that kind of pressure comes some but also it's like damn if they're below in k and they're below in one and in two yeah they're not gonna have it so i'm at least lucky like i have a lot of kids who are very behind in reading about half my class leads for a reading intervention there's 30 minutes when i have half of my kids in there because those are the ones who are either almost at grade level at grade level or maybe above so that's all just that fun stuff and then they're so behind socially and just they can't problem solve. So it's just like, 
you used to have a handful of behavior kids and that's whatever. And now it's just like, you're playing whack-a-mole and mm -hmm. it's just exhausting. Whack-a-mole, yes. Okay, by the way, is it just California or are your kids punching each other? Because my kids were beating the shit out of each other last year. Mine are not really punching. I have a few hitters and pushers, yeah. but we're not punching each other at the moment. Usually the West Coast is first on trends, so it'll be coming your way. They didn't learn social skills in the pandemic. Like my kids fight every day, but damn it, I love them so much. So. I loved the phrasing you said of whack-a-mole and you said they don't have problem solving skills from someone who's not taught elementary. How does that manifest like socially? I I want to hear from all elementary age perspectives of like lack of problem solving. It's not fun. Instant like arguing or just 25 kids saying your name at once. And I'm having a conversation with you who your Chromebook's dead because it was dead yesterday and you didn't plug it in. So now I'm trying to tell you, hey, you got to plug it in when it's dead because otherwise it's not going to just recharge itself. And now while I'm talking to you, I have Mr. Nelson, Mr. Nelson, hey, Mr. Nelson. I'm like, Shh. I was like, you guys, you are all saying my name at once. I am talking. So that's one of those social skills. And then it's, I'm like, what do you need? I, I can't find a pencil. Okay, there's 17 on the floor. Like, bend over, <laughs> grab one. Next. I don't know where my scissors are. Okay, we have a whole drawer that says scissors. You just said they were behind in reading. <laughs> right. You know what? It's, I'll, put a, I'll put a picture of scissors yeah. on there too. So we have that. Actually, they don't even close crap. So the drawer is wide open. You can see the scissors. Right. <laughs> when I got married, I was so excited to have a name change. The First year after I got married, I was like, forget it. I hate my name again. Like, they say it so many. I hear it in my sleep. They say it nonstop. Yeah. Nonstop. I told my husband, do you know how many times I've heard our last name today? Like, hundreds. I even had a clicker to, there's a Instagrammer who had a clicker for how many oh, times her kids. Oh, the golf clicker thing. I saw yeah, that. Yeah, she had a clicker for how often her kids hug her. I did it for interruptions where people said my name and I got to 81 before lunch. And then they wonder why we're tired. I know. I know. So wait, I have to go backwards a tiny bit. What do you teach when your kids leave? Because half my class always leaves for like intervention or violin. And I'm like, what Violin? I yeah, I don't want to talk about it. It is nice. Our schedule we have blocked off for math and reading intervention. Mm -hmm. So like when they're leaving for that time, that's what my schedule time is to do. So we just do different reading passages. Like it would be like guided reading groups. But now that they're fourth grade and those are the ones on grade level, it's more like book clubs or finding different reading. Try to do a lot of nonfiction totally. because they don't they don't have very much background knowledge on stuff so yeah like right now they're just doing like the different biomes and then it's just like hey there's 12 13 of us in here we can just kind of read partner read discuss just yeah. more reading just at higher level and i can kind of choose and incorporate other things they probably haven't learned or just books that i'm like hey this is i really like this book we're gonna read it and i don't care if you like it because <laughs> this is my the time. rats don't run this city yeah, we need. do yeah sorry i just had to talk shop for a second i was like what do you do Tell no me. Yeah. that's the worst to me is when only half the kids are there because when it's like oh there's only like five kids of the 20 here or 30 here like I can do a lot of one-on-one -on -one stuff and then like when only a couple are missing it's like hey whatever not every class period can be perfect you'll catch up when you catch up yeah. but then when it's half it's like what do we do with you and that's where violin like where it's like they pull like out during your core lessons and you're like now you come back and then you're asking me what we're doing and I'm in the middle of the lesson and I'm like where do I uh and that's just yeah. what would always happen to me that would throw me off the worst of anything and if any of the children who I'm sure are not listening to this but I mean this with all the peace and love in the world when the Jarrow OTC kids would come back and there would be like five of them in full military garb and then they would just pop through the door and be like, what are we doing? I was like, I don't want to quarter soldiers in here. Like, what are you doing? What are we doing? I can't relate to that. I, I, I don't, I've not had to do that. No, but it's like, the outfit. 
outfit <laughs> every time. I mean, my kids would burst through the door and be like, what are we doing? What's happening? But they were never dressed up. But I love when like you're all clearly doing the same thing. Like, hey, we're all on IXL and they walk in. What are we doing? It's oh. like, what, do you, what does it look like we're doing? You know? You're Just, like quite literally look in any direction. Or if we're literally. all like up at the carpet and I'm reading a book, like I'm about to turn the page. Like, can we use just a tiny, tiny bit of, you don't even really have to infer much here. Like, it's pretty obvious that I'm reading a book. Dude, I was so excited to like go from kindergarten where they can't read to third grade where I could write directions on the board. And the kids would come in and be like, what are we doing? And I'd be like, I'm sorry, it's written on the board. I drew pictures. It's a skill that we definitely have to incorporate in our day-to-day lessons. But I will say that I am thrilled to go into my students' fourth grade classroom this year and see they're like doing good. They were all sitting at their freaking desks. I was like, what are you doing? I never saw you do that before. It's all because you laid that foundation last year and now it just clicked for them finally. I claim it. Yeah, I would. And so you looped with your kids, which is honestly one of my dreams. How has it been? I've wanted to do it for a long time. Oh, wait. Should we explain looping? People don't know what that is, right? We should explain looping. Okay, let's explain looping first. You move up with your class. Last year I was third grade, had my class. I was able to move up to fourth grade and I kept my same class. Parents could have, if they wanted to move for any reason, they could have switched classes. And I was very thankful my principal asked if there was any I wanted split up. But I did just say, no, I think it'd be better for them if I can just hit the ground running with them. Because we made a lot of growth last year, both like behavior academically socially so I'm like I just want to know them and just keep going so we're two months in I've loved it it was super nice like they know me we knew the routine they know what I what to expect the part I'm nervous for is like every year about like March they turn into like siblings and they just bicker over every little thing and that was even before COVID like that just always happened so I'm just nervous that's going to happen earlier this year since it's year two but a lot of them did like mature a lot over the summer and friendships and stuff have changed from last year so I'm like maybe it'll be okay since they all grew up enough over those three months we were away from each other so yeah that's so cute I don't know why that made me want to cry but I'm thinking about like the first day back where they saw each other after the whole summer yeah that was probably such a vibe yeah and that's what I mean just like wasn't like the hey who are you type stuff either it's just like they all knew each other when did they find out that you were their teacher probably like may or april Amazing. i think i have a tiktok of this like where it's just my face and i was trying to like tell them who their fourth grade teacher is going to be i remember this and i just have a kid and i just love this kid he's one of the ones that just like can't not talk yeah me. so i'm in the middle of it and he's just like i like peaches and he says it right when i said i'm going to fourth grade with you so no kid hears what i said except for him he's like wait what and then i'm just like okay you just <laughs> but it's hilarious now watch it back literally like what possessed you to say that right now <laughs> I bet he doesn't even like peaches. Like, honestly, yeah. So now, and it's been fun because they keep asking, can you go to fifth grade with us? And they still aren't sick of me, which is good. But I'm like, nah. But that's like a big deal that they formed that relationship with you and they wanted to go on with you. I know you taught fifth. Obviously, you've taught third. But is this the first year that you've done fourth grade standards? It is. So that's been new. It's been kind of fun just seeing like the middle of it. Like I know fifth grade, like, oh, I wish they would have known this more. And now third grade, I can kind of be like, ooh, the plan is right now my coworker and I are going to keep looping so I'll go nice. back to third next year and then loop with that class again uh-huh. so now it'll be nice like next year like okay I need to do this more in third grade because we need to be able to do this in fourth grade and it's been a struggle because yeah. I always just get like attached to my classes and I don't want to give them up so that part's nice and then it's also helping me professionally like but who really cares about that well it's good to have a more comprehensive view of the educational experience in elementary school because it can only serve your students and yourself to become a more effective educator so I think it makes perfect even sense. if you you know you look at the standards 
in the next grade and before, but it's different until you actually teach it and see how hard it is for them to comprehend it. I only taught 11th grade U.S. history during the year, but for summer credit recovery, I taught every social studies class. So after having to teach econ and gov, even though it was like crazy abridged versions, it like made me be more mindful of how I was explaining things in U.S. history and like emphasizing things, being like, hey, this is going to be important in gov next year. This is going to be important in econ next year. I think it's good for the kids when teachers have like cross subject sure. exposure. I wonder how much it would mess them up developmentally if you didn't tell them you were looping with them and then on the first day of school you just like wore a disguise and like refused to admit it for like weeks. Just like gaslighting. You were like, I like... literally don't know who that is. Stop asking about him. Have you guys noticed he doesn't even teach anymore? He got fired. He's <laughs> gone. What are you talking about? Uh, what's your favorite fourth grade standard? I have mine. I want to know yours first. Okay, I don't really know them all yet. I'm not the person who like looked at them all and was like... Not even the science ones? They're cool. I wonder how different ours are from Minnesota to California. So I have water cycle, electricity, I rocks. I didn't teach fourth, but I love electricity. Yeah, electricity is fun. I'm doing electricity right now. We made circuits the other day, and then we did snap circuits, and we've done like the good old battery with the wires and the light bulbs. And yeah. So that's been really fun, and they really like that. Then we also just teach like the engineering process, so that was fun. We just did some random experiments at the beginning of the year to introduce that and the scientific method. So those were fun to introduce. Yeah. Do you have mystery science? We just actually, we just got the email this last week that we have that back. Nice. So I really, I love mystery science. Mystery science is dope. Redacted, you're the mystery Doug of history. You know mystery Doug? I don't know mystery Doug. I will be Googling him though. Raz, you know mystery Doug? Yes, of course. Of course mystery Doug. Let's have him on the podcast. I would pee my pants. <laughs> I'm actually kind of nervous. Okay, I, I feel like he might not work for them anymore because I haven't watched a few. Mm -hmm. The three we watched this year, it has not been him. No. Yeah. Did mystery Doug quiet quit? He might have been. It's still called mystery Doug, the little series, but it's, it's still called that. Yeah, that's so disrespectful for them to still call it that. Like, I don't know anything about him, and I'm offended. The first thing, if you Google Mystery Doug, what happened to Doug from Mystery Science? For real, did you just wow, do that? I did. Good job. All right, well. My first year teaching science, he was everything to me. He's the backbone. Redacted, when I watch your TikToks, when it's like you're just teaching very quickly, that's what he does. He just explains why, but in science. Like, hey, why is the sky blue? Or why do zebras have stripes? And it's like a five minute video just explaining it. I love a content creator that's like, I'm just gonna explain it to you. It's gonna be quick. It's gonna be efficient. It's gonna be easy to understand. I love that. I used to do with my kids, Sound Smart. The History Channel makes them. They're all under three minutes. It's about like a little topic it sounds like a very similar vibe like it's just about one thing they explain it they show some pictures whatever i'm gonna check out mystery doug tonight fuck hbo i got mystery doug the second searched term is does mystery doug have a wife whoa i'm sure people are simping for mystery doug are you kidding me you know he's been telling everyone to stay curious for three years so they are wondering about his personal life they need more we know so little but we desire to know so much. And the real mystery is where is Doug? Exactly. What's your favorite third grade standard? I really liked multiplication. I'm so glad you said that. And I personally love what they call new math. I think Common Core is a fucking miracle. I think that it is the best thing to ever happen to the United States education system. And everybody hates me for it, but I do not care. I remember sitting in my credential course math class 
and I like was blown away. They showed me a 10 frame. They showed me different ways to like visualize. They showed me number bonds and I was like mind blown. If somebody had taught me math this way with number sense incorporated, I would not hate math. The reason we hate common core and quote unquote new math is because it was not taught to us. It is not the way that we were taught. So it seems very different and confusing. So when I issue homework assignments on Dojo, I have like why how youtube videos i really just want people to understand that like number sense is key key yeah, first of all i was a whole language kid i didn't know how to read i didn't that's a whole different story right now right. i just was taught the procedure like just do this never taught why yep. until i was taught third grade i did not realize that multiplication was just repeated addition Same. i didn't know five times four i wouldn't have known how to even solve that because i just have it ingrained in my head yeah. even doing like partial products and the different ways for math i feel like it's such a good visual way and it just makes sense of yeah. Like taking apart those numbers and is that how you're probably going to solve it no but it's a good exposure and it helps you understand the concept before just learning the procedure and that's why i think people get pissed off at common core because they think that this is how they're teaching them to do it no they're going to teach them the standard algorithm as well but this is going to show them and help them make sense of it and also being able to pull apart these numbers and make sense of them is going to help them in their upper level math classes as well when they're doing like the distributive property and i'm with you i think that it's been a good way to like conceptually teach things and some people just don't understand that and I think there's a lot of people who are really good at math where they can just do the procedure. They see it and they remember how to do it. So they don't like having to do it a different way, but then they don't even know why the procedure works. Right. And that depth of knowledge, that comprehensive knowledge, the way that we ask kids, look at this number on the board and tell me how you got there. It is so cool to see how their minds work. That's why I love number talks is one of my favorite things. I think so many people are like, I need to get through the curriculum. I need to get through these standards where they just want to teach the quickest, fastest way. And then that's why we have so many kids struggle is because we're not actually teaching it. We're going 60 miles long and a centimeter deep and just yeah. trying to rush through crap. I feel like that's true of the entire education system is 60 miles long and one centimeter deep. They're like, if you mention it to the kid once, they'll literally remember it till they're in 12th grade. Mm -hmm. So it's Oh fine. yeah, for sure. They got it down. Yep. And then the kids are like, you never taught us this. That's the best part about looping is if they pull that at me this year, I'm like, you're right, I did it. Or yes, I did. I'm curious to hear, you've been in teaching for a while. It sounds yep. like you're not planning on leaving teaching. Correct me if I'm wrong there. I'm not. There's days and times when it's stressful. I'm like, I don't know if I can do this, but. What has made it like so that you want to stay or enjoying staying? Like what has been the situation in your school or with your admin or in your district or in your state that you felt like, like, yes, this is a situation that like I like. First, admin and just coworkers are huge. Like I feel like mm -hmm. having a supportive admin, not just like fully hands off. Both of my principals I've had in my current district are visible in the hallways the kids know them it's not a bad thing if you get called down actually usually if you get called down it's for something good trust us to do our jobs like if i have had a day and i'm outside for the last 30 minutes of the day i know that they're not gonna be like oh wait we wasted 30 minutes today they're gonna be like oh you must have had a rough day or whatever or hey it's a nice fall day it's gonna be snow for four months glad you got your kids outside to play where i know a lot of people are like oh we can't go outside for extra recess because we have to micromanage by their minutes and what they're teaching and stuff so i feel supported and trusted by them and then my coworkers, we call it steam and on thursdays we go to happy hour together and 
some weeks there's three of us, some weeks there's 10 or 12, and it's just fun to hang out, and sometimes it's just venting, sometimes it's catching up with each other, and that just super fun. It just makes it fun when you like the people you work with, so that's a huge part of it as well. I don't know, it'd be tough to leave it when there's just so much that I like about it and feel supported, even on those tough days. Like, Tuesdays are the hard day at our school, that's when the most office referrals or whatever, like behavior incident reports are reported. Tuesdays you're walking here, it's like, we're all just on the same boat, we're like, cool, we're all struggling, but then we make it through. That's great. I'm asked because you're talking about like looping with your class and how your coworker is also doing it and you worked it out. That was that was like a green flag about your admin that I was like, oh, it sounds like they really let you guys collaborate and figure out what you thought was going to be best for both yourselves professionally and for like the kids at the school. On everybody's part, they were in like a good mental space around it. It's awesome for kids. It's harder for you. You're changing the standards you teach each year. You're changing the team you work with. So she told us like when you guys want to stop, you can stop. Don't feel like since you're starting it that you have to keep going and there's no pressure if we decide like I just need to stay put in a grade level and not switch each year or whatever it is. It's just, I don't know, just nice to not feel like you chose to do this. Now you're stuck with your decision. Like it's nice to know we're not. You're on like year 40 and they're like, hey, you, you said you wanted to lose. You said, you said now you're stuck doing it. Shouldn't have asked when you were 30 if you didn't want to do this when you're 65. Thinking about teaching when I'm 65, that's when I'm like, holy crap. Can I actually do this for that long? But I just got to go day by day. Have you always taught at the same schools and districts or have you switched around? I've been in two. My first two years, I was in a tiny town in North Dakota. Like I thought I was from a small town and then I went there and they have one teacher per grade level. We had two teachers retire, the fifth and the sixth grade teacher. And they had asked, would you be okay teaching both grades combined? So I had every kid in fifth grade, every kid in sixth grade in one class, just me. Okay. In, the whole, um, in the whole district. That was 10 kids. 10. So they're like, we can't justify hiring you just for one grade when there's only four fifth graders in the graduating class. I would like to interview every child from this town. How many kids do you have in your class now? I have 25 this year. Nice. My current district's usually around 200 for a graduating class. And that first district I was at, like literally 18 kids in a graduating class was like massive. They're like, oh, what do we do with this many kids? What? I have so many questions about this town. I want to go to there. Small rural towns in like the Midwest, you can have a tiny class. For anybody who says class size does not matter. Lies. If you give a class of 14 kids, can you imagine? Dreams. Under 20. The biggest high school class I've ever taught was 33. The smallest class I've ever taught was 12. And I've done a lot in between that as well. By far, my favorite class number is between like 17 to 20. Yeah. To me, that's like the magic number. Well, that's a little too small. It's like awkward. Like if someone says something weird, yeah. it's like- Or if like three kids get the flu and the next day you just, the rest of you guys just stare at each other. Like, hey. I had 21 last year and that was solid. And I also hate how whenever you talk class size, it always turns into like the who has it worse. Mm -hmm. Because like, yeah. if I'm like 25 is too big, because I think it is, then like I know California, like talking to like Jess, hello, Miss Romeo, like she has like 36 kids in her class. I'm like, I cannot imagine. Yeah, like, but she's in fourth, right? Yeah. In third grade, we don't have those kind of numbers. I specifically was glad that I wasn't put in fourth grade last year because they're the ones that have like... 35, 40, but I have a cap at 30. And still 30, like that. 30's a lot. It is. I've and only ever had 27 though. But still, like uh, 27. That's a lot of people. Like have those parents or have the school board members have 27 at 10 year olds in a room all day together. Yeah. And just saying like, hey, you get by. Yeah. It just doesn't mean that it's okay or what's best for no. the teacher or for the kids. Absolutely not. It's really bananas to me. Like I truly can't imagine having that many children of that age range. Cause when I taught little kids, like I taught early heads 
start. Yeah. The limit in a class for the three-year-olds was like 10 of them, I think. And even with 10 kids, I was like, this is way too many kids. And there were two teachers in every classroom. I can't imagine how you even function in a room with 40 fourth graders and get anything accomplished other than just like everyone surviving the day. Exactly. That's how it felt for me last year, especially with all the behaviors, especially like, you know, all the everything. And like we came out that COVID year, it's like socially distant, small classes. Like I had 18 in my class that year, hybrid, so nine a day. And then the next year they're like, oh, that's done. Now we actually can't afford to have small class sizes. And mm-hmm. then we're hiring teachers and then we're cutting them because we can't afford it. And then we're trying to hire again the next year. It's like, just commit to having small class sizes every once in a while. And you wouldn't have to keep hiring and letting people go. It would be good mm-hmm. times. The government's great at handling money and thinking ahead. They sure Our government, are. if their number one talent is something, is budgeting and thinking ahead for the future. One thing that I hated that my school board would do is they would always host meetings during the workday so that no teachers could go unless you literally used your PTO to go. Your state, man. Ours isn't like that. I think it's really nice to have you on here because people are always asking us to talk about nice things and you're a teacher that likes their job. So don't say we never gave you nothing, student teachers. for, For those people too, it's like, you know... You also can't just act like everything's perfect. Like, I still will see some people like, I love my job. I love going in and working all these up to the contract hours. It's like, okay, yeah, but you're also then treating it like a hobby as well. Yes. And that's not what this is. It's a job. So you need to realize you can enjoy your job. Like I do most days. There's still things that need to change and there's still things that are messed up. And it doesn't mean that I'm satisfied with the current state of our education system. Just because I'm still content being a teacher Mm -hmm. doesn't mean there's not a lot that's crap that needs to get fixed. Totally. Yeah. And not to bring up negative things, but I'm curious because you're the only man that we've had on this podcast so the seven percent of our audience that is men consider yourself represented obviously you only know your own perspective but being a man in teaching is there anything interesting you want to share about being in a field that's more predominantly associated with like women in the field so my first school like i said was super tiny in a small farm town i was the only male teacher but there's also only like seven teachers in the whole school in my current school we have a lot more males than you typically do in an elementary school but i will say it's why seeing what parents will say to female teachers that they do not say to male teachers. Ooh, like what? Just like complaining or questioning, oh. even like report card stuff. It's almost like when it's a male, they're like not gonna question it. Like they're biased around authority figure. Yes, exactly. Like they're viewing you as an authority figure because you're a man and they're probably completely unconscious of it. Like I don't think this parent is like, oh, this is like a bitch female teacher. I'm gonna complain about worksheet 3A. Like- exactly. And like I'll be like their first male teacher because there's none younger than third grade. It's like, I, I don't know. That's just always the interesting thing is like comparing the types of messages we get. And it's not right, but it happens. And that's, we've noticed it quite a bit. Have you noticed the same trend with either administrator or district or anything like that, where they kind of have different expectations of you or have approached you differently on either end? Because I worked with a couple male teachers and it was always like a joke where they're like, oh, these, these male teachers never have their binders up to date. You always know that. So I'm very like type B. <laughs> I'm just curious what would happen if like my desk, when it gets to be a complete shit show, would they be judged differently than me? Like for me, it's just like, oh, huh, Fletcher, shit show. We know that. 
same. You know what I mean? And I feel like the not knowing what's going on, that's not looked as unprofessional if you're a male. Definitely think there's some who they don't realize they have that bias going on. I think it's the same bias that happens with a lot of parents where they kind of view like the woman should know everything about child caring yes. because like she's a woman. The motherly instinct. Let's judge her really harshly. And then like a father, it's like, oh, well, he's learning everything. So let's like help him and teach him. And I think that same stereotype carries out in the child care and teaching world. It kind of gives me like the vibes of when a kid will say, my dad babysat me this weekend. Like your dad didn't babysit you. He's your dad. He watched you. Your mom was out of town. They don't realize it should be equal playing field, but it's just not. Mm -hmm. Hopefully if people start realizing that. I would say the kids are the hope, but they're out here saying they're getting babysit by their dad. So maybe Just like the amount of effort to male teachers, the stereotypes, like they don't need to put as much time in. They can just try to wing it and don't need to have things as Mm -hmm. prepared because they're that positive male influence. So you don't need to be as good of a teacher because that's what you're doing. You're doing your job right there. Yeah. Like you just being here and being a man around children is the check mark. That's all you got to do. Not the actual job that you trained for are passionate about and qualified to do. It's not about the lessons you're teaching. It's just about being there. When I was in elementary school, there was only one male teacher and he was like a celebrity. Everyone wanted to play kickball with him. Everyone was jealous of the kids in his class. Were you like the male celebrity at the tiny school? They were getting me whether they liked it or not because there was no other option. And then some of them were stuck with me for two years. I remember that too growing up though. My first male teacher wasn't until sixth grade. So when there was the opportunity, they wanted to be in the male teacher's class. I didn't have a male teacher until high school. That's why I feel bad for my coworkers because in third grade, like there's two males, two females, and they always want me and Mark to be their teachers. And I'm like, you guys, April and Casey are actually better teachers. You want to be in their class. They do cool shit. Trust me. The children's caveman instincts are like, I want tall caregiver. Thank you. I want that one. I also will get the kids who like won't talk to me for the first week because they're just terrified. And I'm like, I'm not scary. Your school sounds like it's crushing it on male representation. Like, honestly. We do. We really do. Let's do submissions. We haven't done those in a long time and people like them. They really do. So people send us in like horrifying things that happen to them and then we like read them and kind of react to them. 305 responses. Therapy's expensive and typing in here is literally free. This is their way. Okay, so... This is my second year teaching, so I finally felt brave enough to do some digging into our school's policies that just don't sit quite right. We have a rule where any time off in May is time and a half deduction. Instead of using eight hours, you're using 12. Why? Is that standardized testing time? Say no. Yes. The only thing that they said is that it's their last month of school. Goodbye. So I would assume yes. This is literally like when you get paid time and a half for holiday at work, except it's like the reverse of the that reverse. somehow. <laughs> right off the bat, I hate your admin. Continue. Literally immediately, no. Okay. Um, The school said that they do this because there was a past teacher who saved time off, and the year she quit, she took the entire month off of May, so that rule is in place to protect the school from that happening again. Your school's a pussy-ass bitch. That is... <laughs> She's not even there anymore. This rule is a trauma response. Honestly, that's a boss move. If you're going out in retirement, like, heck yeah get me out a month early i would have done it with maternity leave there was a teacher that i worked with who got in trouble because she had been stacking pto for like literal decades and then her retirement year she used a day of pto every friday and just worked a four-day week the whole year i love that for her that's more power to you that's genius literally it sounds like this girl gamed your system and they're mad about it and now they made this weird little rule it's like when you go into a restaurant and there's a sign that's like you cannot bring a small ferret and put it into a baby booth where you're like something happened like that rules from a situation. There's no way you just thought of that rule. <laughs> Ew, I hate. 
Continue. Okay, yeah. Okay, so when I read the fine print of that section in the handbook, it says the rule only applies to classroom teachers. I asked my principal about it, and she said the administrators wouldn't need to give up time and a half in May because if they were gone for an extended time, it wouldn't directly impact the students. They accidentally said the quiet part out loud. Where's the union? Yeah. Union? So you're admitting union? that you're doing nothing because it sounds like that's what you just said is that you don't impact our students. What the hell? So I teach at a K-12 school building with a principal and VP for each of the different school groups, like high school, middle, and elementary, but I think they're all in the same building. Those administrators also serve as counselors since our school doesn't find it necessary to have actual trained counselors. So having administrators gone would definitely impact learners as well as the teachers who have to then try and manage behavior and teach the rest of class. That's just one of many reasons why my whole team is planning on leaving at the end of the year. Great plan. As you should. Get out of there. Bye. Ew. The administrators being counselors. Like that was just the icing I was never expecting. You know, that's going to be one of those, you'll go into negotiations and nothing will be a accomplished yeah. you're stuck mm -hmm. it gets me how the time and a half is only for the teachers and not for the administrators and that they fully just said with their chest because if we were gone it doesn't impact the students like you have technically two jobs at this school what do you mean and there's so many different ways if you were trying to put a cap on how many people could be i don't know like that's dumb too but like there's different things you could do instead of saying hey we're gonna take more of your pto i'm nauseous <laughs> i told you that was a good one like realistically how many people are gonna do that like how many people can save their pto for the whole year most people are going to want to go on a trip their kid doctors but like you're already having such a small group of people who can save their pto that like i find it hard to believe that you would not be able to find a solution to this so now if you have a baby and need your maternity leave to be over may that's going to completely mess up your hours there too make sure you get your fertility app and cross off the month of may because there will be no no children had in May because of the PTO policy. Life hack, if your district is violating laws in this way, get pregnant and then you could probably sue them for discrimination on this PTO policy. Or you can just say, if you're not going to give me my PTO, I resign, which is what somebody in this podcast did. It's not me. Wait, no, it sounds like she has a good plan of, le of leaving. I like the plan of leaving. Yes. yes. A plus. We love leaving. Because honestly, if you're going to make it in teaching, like I had just kind of said, you have to be in a place where you like your admin like if there's something you don't like they can at least give you a valid reason for it being there where you're like okay i kind of get that it's impossible to think that you're gonna find admin that you see eye to eye on literally every single thing in the entire world but just finding someone like you mentioned that generally trusts you and is respective of you then you feel like can communicate with you and not someone who demands you use time and a half pto like one time sharon took three weeks off and then i had to sub for her class and it was like just like a really dark time for me so that's why we made this rule <laughs> have you seen the third grade standards they're really hard okay yeah. attacked <laughs> also i hope this team that's all leaving takes pto in the month of may pto stands for prepare the others because we're not going to be here did you make that up or is that no, I, I saw it on Twitter. I said it at work and they didn't laugh. I don't know who the original creator was, but uh, that's so embarrassing for that district. RIP to their reputation. Name the district. <laughs> Hang on. Can I read this one? No. Obviously, you can read it. But <laughs> <laughs> it says... 
I am a first year teacher and I have a mild, moderate special education credential. I accepted a job at an affluent district in the South Bay area of LA. I assumed the job I was being hired for was working in a mild, moderate special day class learning center, but got thrown into a class where most of the students would be considered moderate severe. I have six aides in my class. Five of them are one-on-ones and one classroom aide. My class aide is just breaking everyone for lunch every day because each aide has an hour break and then there are only seven hours in a school day. I literally only have a full staff for one hour of the school day. I have 11 students and of the six without an aide, four need shared aid support. Woof. I have students with extreme behaviors all day long. One of my students throws everything and anything at other students for attention. She threw a giant fire truck toy at a high profile student and his mother literally filed a police report on the child what on her own kid a child threw a fire truck at another child and the mom of the offended child filed a police report whoa on the other kid okay does the other parent have to be involved for that i feel like a call probably at least right like this seems very weird another student has very poor impulse control and literally murders any bug he finds outside and will kick and hurt his one-on-one when he does not get his way i literally have a thing that carries bugs outside in my classroom because i get so emotional about bugs that's good and that's good and get out of here great so it's like a like a bug purse if you know it's a bug catcher like the scissors with a ball no it's like a green thing and you put it's a rectangle and you put it down and then you slide it shut and when you lift it up the bugs inside and there's a magnifying glass on top so my kids get in a line and we all look at the bug it says i'm so close to quitting and it's literally my first year i'm not even two months in and i can't even take a lunch break most days because we don't have the coverage to keep our students safe i work until 6 p.m every day and even come in on the weekends because i have no prep time i literally just print worksheets at this point because i don't have the capacity to teach in my own classroom because of how difficult my job is sad that is sad la is the tough cookie right now because nobody wants to work in conditions where they can't have a lunch break where they can't prep where they can't breathe you shouldn't work and you shouldn't yeah it's it's not okay it's not what we signed up for and it's not fair to our students so like the ratio of things is just otherworldly so i really do feel for that i also think this is a really i don't want to say a good example but like a really emblematic example of like i a lot of times i see people outside of education and be like oh, well, that's illegal. Well, this contract says you have to get an hour lunch break. And like, there's a big difference between saying something as a policymaker and writing it down and then actually creating a system for it to happen in an effective way. So like, it's great that these people get an hour lunch break. They absolutely should. But like, clearly the intention of giving those people an hour lunch break was not important enough to this district to actually set it up to be done in an effective way that wasn't Mm -hmm. going to be stressful for everyone involved so like giving a perk giving like a good thing to teachers in their contract like you can't just write it down and expect everything to just go super smoothly because like look at the situation we're in now now we don't have a staff and like anyone could have seen this coming like this is a very foreseeable problem like who's gonna watch the children during this hour right yeah they have this written down but they it's doesn't work it looks good on paper but it's it's not actually implemented yeah she probably really wants to be there for her students and cares about them but also you can't just keep not having a lunch break and coming in on the weekends and not having your own 
personal life. Mm -hmm. And that's such a good point, Fletcher. I mean, the martyrdom in teaching really has to stop. Was that quote that was like, teachers set themselves on fire to light the future for their students or some shit like that and it's like it's not sustainable and it's not fair to young teachers who go into the profession and at the very minimum you should be able to eat lunch go to the bathroom be a human you know take care of yourself yeah the lunch in the bathroom literally the bare minimum of our human rights literally like those two things and that's already that's too much to even ask i also think there's kind of like a pattern in education of district and admin will take advantage of younger teachers not knowing the systems and what mm-hmm. they are required to be given and rules that are required to be followed and kind of put them in situations that they know they can get away with it just because the longer you do something the better versed you come in it i also can't imagine teaching in a state that doesn't allow unions yeah i can't imagine it either because even though my union like sucked like they existed you know like i felt good having (laughs) like i felt good and like there had been instances of people going to them for things and it getting done and just like the being able to threaten to go to them gives you a lot of power so i can't imagine teaching in a scenario where your admin says something and you're like here we are. Okay. Here we are. I guess that's fine. I have a good last question for you. All right, last question. What's your advice to new teachers going into the field? That's what I was going to ask. Like, what's one thing you would tell your old teacher self? All right. Advice for first year or new teachers? A couple things. One, if, you, if your school does not have like a mentor program, find someone on your team or in your school that you can go to for all the dumb questions. Mm-hmm. I've had so many people, whether it was in the new school or just my first year teaching, that I could just go ask the questions without feeling judged. Like, you should know that you're a professional teacher, you're licensed. Super helpful. Hard as it is to just say like, hey, set boundaries. Like you, you need to set boundaries. You need to have a personal life. It's very easy to get in the habit of staying late, coming early and going in on every weekend and i'll say i did it because it helped me feel mentally more prepared and like less overwhelmed that monday morning like if that's gonna make you feel better do it but you can't let it consume your life and take over your social life and then last like being coachable because you're a new teacher you're gonna have great ideas but there's also a lot that you have to learn and you're gonna learn a lot every single year you'll reflect back and kind of be shocked on how you did things so just be willing to take advice and try new things and see how it works obviously there's not one clear way to do our job because otherwise we would all be doing it and have flawless results but when you have someone else looking in and watching and observing your class and observing a lesson they probably are going to have something that you could improve on and it's worth trying what they recommend instead of just being stuck in your ways absolutely amen i love that also you saying the help thing reminded me of something because i hate asking for help and i saw something on like twitter or instagram or tiktok that was very poetic that helped me like be better at asking for help is that every animal is a born with its most important survival instinct. So like some animals are born and they know how to swim already. Some animals are born and they know how to run already or whatever. The only thing that humans can do when they're born is verbalize to other humans that they need help with something. So like to humans, our most important survival instinct is voicing that we need help to the people around us. Oh my God, that just made me very emotional. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Cause like, oh my God, we're literally just giant babies. I need to go kiss my baby. <laughs> I love that Fletcher. Thank you so much for being with us. Like seriously, I just really appreciate your perspective. I feel like more optimistic and sunny about our field already. This was very important. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm glad I could be the first male for your 7% male listeners. I've listened, so I am part of that 7%. So I'm here for myself kind of, I guess. Nice. You gotta show up for yourself though right amen to that i won't listen to this episode though because i hate hearing my own voice but (laughs) 
be your own biggest fan. Back for the next one. Anybody, my kids find this episode. Well, first off, sorry for swearing. If you listen to this episode, I'm taking away your Chromebook for a week. Yep. Bye. Get your scuba gear. <laughs> In the ten thousand likes. Fletcher, thank you so much for sharing your third and fourth grade swag with us. We've appreciated your candor. Fletcher for Secretary of Education, y'all. Yeehaw. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Love you. Rate us. Bye. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next week. We love you. Kisses. Quit your job. Bye. Just as a disclaimer, because I am someone who is actively teaching, everything on this podcast is my personal opinion and does not reflect my district, my state, my employer, my students, or my admin. Everything on this podcast was recorded on personal time, on personal equipment, and is a completely separate endeavor from my school district. Yeah, leave her alone.